This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. He's got all the insight on what you want to know and maybe some of what you don't want to know. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald. And that's how we begin hour number two here on Sports Daily. Tim Fitzgerald, good timing because, uh, boy, it, it's it been maybe never since it's been this exciting to be a Cats fan right now. You've got the football team on the precipice of a Big 12 championship. You've got the basketball team under a new regime, although losing last night that I think everybody's excited about. Let's start with football, Tim, because we're talking football. And before we talk about the Cats, we get the news that the CFP expands um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to load you into this question or guide you, but Tommy is really wrong right now. And I, and I just want to know what your opinion is on this. Wow. Um, uh, Tommy thinks 12 is too many. Are, where are you at on the CFP that we're going to now get started in 2024? I like 12. I don't think it's too many. I think it could go bigger at some point, but are you okay with 12 or do you think that's too many? Well, I, the only thing I don't like about 12 are the buys because I know buys sound advantageous, but they aren't always advantageous for the higher-seeded team to, to sit it out um, while another team gets another game in. But it can be. It could be go, go both ways. I'm really happy it's expanding, though. And this is a perfect reason why. <clears throat> um, Kansas State, as of today, would be in that playoff. And that's – if you do that – two, three times in a four- or five-year period, that kind of redefines your program if you're constantly on the precipice or in the playoff. And that just doesn't happen with four. <clears throat> I mean, we have arguments at four, and it's about, mostly about brands. And my example of that would be if TCU loses, they'll be eager to move TCU out of the playoff and Ohio State in when I feel like TCU's much more deserving as a conference champion, and they shouldn't be punished for losing a conference championship while Ohio State sat it out um, because the opposite happened in 2014 uh, because the Big 12 didn't have a championship game and TCU and Baylor were lacking the final data point. So I'm, I'm pretty fired up that going to 12 will be more inclusive, <clears throat> will help some of these programs maybe get over the hump, be the – the stepping stone to getting better recruits when you're constantly in the playoff picture. Well, I'd like to point out that the, the only reason that Jacob is even saying this is because I'm sick and he's picking on me um, and, and I'm, I'm wounded and I'm down for the count and I don't like it. And uh, so I feel like I need to kind of stand up for myself a little bit. The only reason that I don't like 12 is that I feel like it, it takes completely away from conference championships. Like th there'd be no reason to play like a big 12 championship game this weekend because neither one of these teams, if they were both going to get in at 12 would really have anything to play for necessarily. So that's my only criticism of going to 12. I feel like going to eight would be a little bit better in my opinion, but I don't know. It, it, do you think that it devalues conference championships at all? I, I'm completely with you on your point about the games. And I've made the argument that uh, if the presidents and, and, the know-it-alls want to argue it's too many games, well, then get rid of the conference championships and just go by regular season standings. Yeah. Because if you look at the, the Big Ten and the ACC and, and the SEC, that's decided. You know, I mean, 
even the Big 12, it's decided. It was decided on the field, not by tiebreakers. And I understand tiebreakers will come in on occasion. Um, but I, they won't get rid of the conference championships because it's about money. It's not about academic integrity or any of that. It's about money. Um, and at the end of the day, they'll play the conference championships and a 12-team playoff. Maybe it'll end up at 16. I don't know. Uh, but uh, it's it's about the cash, and you know the idea of getting rid of conference championships is just appalling to people. When in reality, Tommy, you're right. They they can only damage you for the most part going into the into the expanded playoffs. So it's it's an interesting thing going on right now. Uh, I, I can make you this guarantee: they'll get to twelve, they'll see how much money they're making, and they'll expand it again. Yep. I mean, it's inevitable. Yep. So it may yep. not matter. At some point. All right, Tim, let's talk about the Cats this weekend against TCU. I've said all week I like them in this game. Um, I, I hate that a Cats win means very likely a Big 12 team doesn't get into the CFP. That part of it bothers me. Uh, but I do like them in this game. I think they had an opportunity despite everything that went wrong the first time these two teams met. But... This first half defense thing that's been going on a few times now, Texas, West Virginia, last week against Kansas, that can't happen against TCU. No, it can't. And that's a big question mark for me. Does K-State come out and play like it did in the first half against TCU the first time around in which it took a big lead? Or do they turn around and play like they have been playing in the first half, which means you lead, but you gave up a lot of points in the process because TCU is a terrific second half team. Um, you know, you, you better have a good barrier between you and them going into that second half. I, I am a little bit concerned about the defense. I think they've, they've done a good job of flipping the switch at halftime and, and getting to what really works. I almost feel like the real game plan is it pulled out until the second half, but um, they're going to have to find something uh, a little bit better for the first half and then add in the layers that you, you're holding back so the other team can adjust. But, boy, losing those two safeties, Kobe Savage in particular, has been difficult for K-State's defense because he's the communicator, and uh, they're, they're thrust some young guys into action who played pretty well in the second half against Kansas, and uh, I think we'll be better off because they've had a couple games now to play. Is there much that you can take away from – the Sunflower Showdown last weekend as you look forward to the Big 12 championship game this week on either side of the ball. Anything that stood out to you when Kansas State played the Jayhawks that you feel like they can either improve on or that they're doing pretty well uh, that you think can, can bode well this weekend? Well, I, I think we know that this Kansas State team is capable of scoring points. And, you know, that that was that's true earlier in the year with Adrian Martinez, at quarterback. They weren't able to score at the same level. Since inserting Will Howard into the lineup, it's kind of given them the, the ability to win a shootout, which wasn't really possible for many years at K-State. And uh, I think that's something to take away. But honestly, Tommy, the thing I take away the most from last Saturday's game is, um, you know, K-State's better than they have been, but KU's dramatically better than they have been. And um, locking up Lance Leipold um, is a wise move, a, a great move. And uh, I think it says a lot about where football is in this state of Kansas that uh, Nebraska sniffed around both head coaches and neither was really that interested in going to Nebraska over their current stop. So uh, I'm, I'm happy that this, this 
match up this rivalry will gave, gain even more substance in the future. Tim, TCU is going to have a Heisman candidate. They're going to have, you know, the resume <clears throat> to get there. If they lose this game, do you think there's a world where they can get in to the CFP? I, I do. I, I'm, ho- I'm hoping that this committee and Gene Taylor is part of this committee. <clears throat> Although he has to sit out any discussions about his school, I'm not sure about his conference. But I hope that uh, the realization that this is the most competitive conference in college football with, you know, seven out of the ten teams, or is it eight, bowl eligible. Um, I think that does a lot about how week in and week out you're tested in the Big 12. You don't have, you know, five teams in your conference or on your schedule that you're going to beat with, you know, without much effort. I, I, I've been hammering on this in today's daily delivery video that is up on YouTube is exactly this topic. You know, in 2014, Baylor, DCU tie for the Big 12 championship. Baylor wins the head-to-head, but neither one of them gets in. They jump Ohio State over everyone to get them in the playoff. Um, And the argument was, well, the Big 12 doesn't have a championship game, so they're lacking the final data point. And here we are eight years later. If TCU loses, Ohio State will in all likelihood hop over the team with the final data point because they don't have a game this weekend. And that's my problem with the college football playoff. It's not about the best teams. It's about the best brands we can get in and all the other teams that that have to fill in when we don't have the substitute of a brand. And that's really what it's been about. And it's bad for college football. Um, It was good to see Cincinnati get in last year. I think we all recognize they were overmatched uh, in the the semifinals, but they deserve to be there. They played their way in. Um, And uh, we need to continue being inclusive with this and not just leaning into whatever ESPN wants for television viewers. Let's talk about a bowl game for Kansas State. So it looks like um, the Sugar Bowl, by all means, yeah. by yeah. all stretches of the imagination for the most part, right? I mean, unless there, there is a scenario where they don't play in the Sugar Bowl, right? How does that work? Here's the scenario where they don't play in the Sugar Bowl. One, either TCU gets left out after winning, which isn't going to or K-State plays so awesomely, they get included in the college football playoff. And I think we can all agree that neither one of those is happening. TCU wins, they're in. If, uh, you know, if K-State wins, there's no score possible to get them into the playoff. Although a lot of the computers out there say, yeah, that is a possibility. The committee doesn't, and I agree, three losses is too much. Um, so, yeah, the Big 12 champion goes to the Sugar Bowl. If the Big 12 champion is in the college football playoff, they take the highest ranked or in, either in the college football playoff rankings, which will be K-State, or the standings, which is K-State. The Sugar Bowl takes that team as a replacement. They don't have a choice, so to speak. They can't pick Texas. They have automatic uh, actions that they have to follow. So the Big 12 is now confirmed to a media colleague of mine up here in uh, Topeka that K-State is indeed going to the Sugar Bowl, and while it hasn't been formally announced and it can't be formally announced, there's no no realistic scenario in which K-State does not go to New Orleans. Tim, let's talk hoops uh, for just a minute here. Last night, <clears throat> Butler, um, I, I, thought that, I thought that that was a really good opportunity for them. Uh, first, I guess, real teaching moment. I know he's had a ton of them. That's, that's cliche, but... He, they're going to have something to learn here because they weren't making any threes. They kept shooting them. They were having success driving to the 
to the lane. They weren't sticking with it. What'd you take away from that game? And, and does it give you any cause for concern with the cats and the great start they've been off to? No, no, no concern there. I mean, that's a good team. Um, that's going to be a really good team. They're missing a lot of pieces too. Um, and this is going to happen with this team. They need to learn their lessons. And, and honestly, it's really cool that they won the Cayman Islands Classic. It's cool they were off to a 6 no start. Uh, but they've been getting by with too many turnovers, bad starts in a couple games, really um, bad stretches that will cost them in the Big 12. Uh, they need to learn some lessons uh, about themselves before they get into the Big 12 uh, about you know what, how they're going to react to a loss, how they need to improve, and now it's glaringly obvious they've got to clean their game up. Uh, they're so talented they can cruise. They can get by. They can beat lesser teams. Uh, but Butler was extremely well coached by Thad Mata, um, and they just kind of took it to K-State. And I'm with you. I think it's a great teachable moment for Jerome Tang. And I, while he'll never admit it, I think he's probably like, good, now we've got something to get their attention. So Keontae Johnson, 9 of 9 from the field and added 12 rebounds, a double-double for him. I'm not sure, and, and tell me your thoughts on this, Fitz. Is there, has there been early on in the season – a more impactful transfer portal player in America than Keontae Johnson for Kansas State? Because I can't think of one. No, I can't either. But, you know, honest, I'm so wrapped up in football right now. I haven't followed all that. But it'd be hard to match what he's brought to the table for K-State. Um, and this is why I have some hope for K-State. Because in the games when everyone else is down, Keontae has big shoulders. And he'll start carrying people. And I think there's other people on here. We've seen Desi Sills step up the last couple games. He was incredible in the second half again uh, last night. And, of course, Marquise Noel has showed an ability to do that. So this team has some guys. They have some dudes. And you got to have that to win. Uh, I always say you got to have three of them. Um, you got to have three guys that can really make a difference. And they might have three or four if you add Naquan Tomlin in, who's kind of in a slump right now, but I think will – uh, it's catching up to him. The level of play is catching up to him, but I think he'll adjust because he's this incredible athlete and player. But, yeah, Keontae's special. Um, and when the kids say they they have a dog, they really do, and it's, that dog's going to keep him in a lot of fights. He, he, Tim, do you think he can compete for Big 12 Player of the Year? Well, it's a good question. Uh, he's put a, puts up those kind of numbers, there's no doubt. Um, but... Uh, this conference is so loaded. Uh, right. You know, you, you kind of wonder where K-State finishes and does he get on the first team uh, because this, there's so much talent in this conference. It's going to be um, – I'm going to I'm going to ask K-State to be cautious here. I mean, I know they started off good, but that level of competition wasn't great. They have a lot of lessons to learn. And while I'm really excited about the level of athleticism and the brand of basketball is much more um, enjoyable, although there were some struggles last night, uh, they can score in bunches, um, and I think that's encouraging, but they're going to have the, some growing pains. And they've got a big one against Wichita State there in Manhattan on Saturday. Expect a big crowd for that. We'll see how that goes with people traveling now down to down to Arlington for the Big 12 Championship. All right, it's a, a busy weekend for you guys. What can we find over at GoPowerCat.com? Well, all of the stuff we've been talking about, I mean, we've got a lot of coverage going up today of the virtual championship um, that will really kick into gear even more tomorrow. Our pregame podcast is already up uh, after the show's over. If you want to keep listening about the Cats, uh, 
um, listen to the entirety of this show. You'll be well-educated, a better human for it, and then go listen to my podcast. Um, and my guys do a great job breaking down the game, really get into it. And a really interesting discussion with Brian Hanley, who was on the 97 and 98 K-State teams, about the pressure of being that unbeaten team, going into an opportunity to make it all the way to the, you know, have a shot at the national championship, and what kind of advice he would give TCU after what happened at K-State in 98. All right, Fitz, uh, we'll look for it. You can find Tim on Twitter at Life of Fitz. Here we go. Big weekend. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be we'll be breaking it all down this time next week. Yeah, the plan is, is if K-State wins, there will be a pep rally at the halftime of that basketball game because the team will be back. So it could be a really interesting weekend. Of the oh well that is interesting okay all right uh well it's a, it's a fun time in Manhattan Tim we always appreciate it let's do it again soon you bet boys good to talk to you all right there goes Tim Fitzgerald Tommy and I will digest it we'll come back we'll get into the rest of the topics on our mind today uh, we'll do that eight six nine twelve forty your calls we do have time for your calls you want to weigh in on our CFP discussion. Uh, feel free to do that. Plenty still to come here on Sports Daily on a Thursday. The commercials are over. Yo, I haven't got all day. 869-1240. Time to get busy. This is Sports Daily on KFH. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor, cruising on through. 869-1240 is the number to call. We are open uh, the rest of the way here if you want to chime in on anything we've been talking about. Uh, we're going to move to a story here, Tommy, and this is interesting. You know, The Cardinals had a tough decision to make with Kyler Murray. They made it. They stuck with him. It seemed doomed to fail. They were seemed to be doomed either way, right? You couldn't really let him go, but do you really think Kyler Murray is going to take you to the promised land. And then after the contract, you hear about clauses that maybe question his effort. And you hear the jokes about him caring more about Call of Duty than being an NFL quarterback. He comes out after the last loss and dogs on his head coach very publicly. Uh, Patrick Peterson then responds and says, Kyler Murray only cares about himself. Kyler Murray doesn't appreciate that and says, talk to me like a man. This is a mess in Arizona. Um, and I don't know what the solution is. I like Cliff Kingsbury. I root for him. I don't know that it's going to work for him there. But it's certainly not going to work for Kyler Murray. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what to say about all this except when everybody says, uh, yeah, he's kind of selfish. And they build that clause basically into his contract, according to reports. At some point, it seems like there's going to need to be a look in the mirror kind of moment for Kyler Murray here. Yeah, does does this whole thing happen with Kyler Murray if the head coach in Arizona is somebody like Bill Belichick? Like somebody that has the the mentality and the discipline and the toughness and the no-nonsense like Bill Belichick? I don't think I don't so. Know. Cliff Kingsbury doesn't have that. I mean, I think Cliff Kingsbury um, doesn't have that kind of leadership style. Um, I, I think Kyler Murray needs a coach that is going to challenge him, that's going to hold him accountable, that's going to make him – uh, not a selfish person and a selfish player. 
and then basically say, look, if you're going to be this way, then you're not going to play quarterback for our football team. And I don't think Bill Belichick would have an issue, and I'm not suggesting that it's you know Bill Belichick specifically, but somebody in the same mold as a Bill Belichick um, that can hold him accountable. That's the only way that it's going to work for Kyler Murray, not only in Arizona, uh, but anywhere. Um, and, and I don't think Cliff, King, that Cliff Kingsbury is it. I don't think that he's going to be able to get through to him in that way. There, I, I can't imagine this partnership lasting much longer, and I think it's going to be Clay, uh, Kingsbury who has to fall on the sword for it. It is, because they just gave Kyler Murray the big deal. I don't know. That's a hard one because Bill Belichick's never really been in that position. Now, that could be of his own doing, or it could be because he spent most of his Patriots career with Tom Brady, right? And then they drafted a young quarterback, and you know we saw how the controversy, quarterback controversy played out for Belichick. That didn't go very well either. So, you know, with the Bailey Zappi, Mac Jones thing earlier this season. I, I don't know. I think Cliff Kingsbury's issues are are deeper than him not being able to contain Kyler Murray. Because I don't think, and that's, I guess, the question. I don't know that anybody can because Kyler Murray is going to do his thing, it seems like, no matter what. I mean, who comes in and, you know, when when that, when that break happens, when Kyler Murray is so willing to publicly criticize his coach after a loss and basically blame him, um, then you've lost it, and that'll be the end. The question is, would anybody be able to come into Arizona and do anything any better or any different? I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, they're going to try, obviously, because they're bound now to Kyler Murray. I just I'm, – I'm a little disappointed because – Early on in the career, Kyler Murray looked like one of those unicorn-type players that was going to do things that other guys can't do, right, and be a totally unique player and bring this really cool game to the NFL. And he just is sort of flatlined, and he does seem disinterested sometimes. And you see former players come out and say things like Patrick Peterson did, that he only cares about himself. You hear about the work ethic off the field, whether it's all true or not. Again, a lot of different people are saying it or saying it without saying it, if you know what I mean. So I, I don't know. It was tough, too, because I talked a lot about this in the offseason. Um, what, what do you do with Kyler Murray? It was such a tough spot for Arizona. like And, and, and you know, this happens to teams all the time in Minnesota. What do you do with Kirk Cousins, do you keep rolling with them or do you make a change? Like, what's the alternative, right? Baltimore is going to have to face that decision with Lamar Jackson. We see this all the time. And Arizona faced that decision. What are you going to do? You've obviously built everything around him. Cliff Kingsbury joined you, came to the NFL. You hired him specifically to coach Kyler Murray. Like, that's the reason Cliff Kingsbury was hired. So you've built everything around him. I mean, you kind of have to move forward with them, but it was like with no confidence at all, right? So I, I don't know what team these are these are hard situations. I, I think about this stuff all the time. How fortunate you are if you have your quarterback and there just aren't really any questions about that. It because it's impossible to answer these questions. And Ron Rivera was right when everybody asked him what the difference was and he said quarterback. If you don't have it and you don't have it solid and just know who the guy is, you're kind of toast, right? Like, you don't really have a chance in this league. How many NFL quarterbacks that are under the age of 25 
are immature quarterbacks or immature people. There's probably several of them. How many of them do we hear about constantly? Not very many. And I would suggest that the ones that we don't hear about, the ones that we don't know about, are in a a structure, in a system where they have accountability, they have discipline, they have coaches that are working with them, uh, that are helping them grow up, that are helping them channel their their talent and their skills and their ability uh, while growing their leadership and while growing their maturity and all of that. I think where it's lacking in Arizona is that Kyler Murray is, I mean, you know, a young kid that has been uh, given the task of guiding an NFL team with not a whole lot of structure. And what the, the organization has tried to do is they've tried to force him into showing maturity and structure and accountability by putting it in his contract. You know, by saying you can't play video games, you have to study film in your contract as opposed to surrounding him with coaches who are going to day by day help him along in that journey. They're putting it in his contract. So I think that's where the failure is. You know, yeah, like Kyler Murray may be immature. He may be selfish. Um, I was immature and selfish when I was 24 years old or whatever. Totally. Right? Uh, totally. So the the Cardinals are failing him. But I was coachable. Him, but I was coachable. But, the Car- uh, but I'm saying is that the Cardinals are failing as an organization in giving him the structure to be able to get to get better and to grow and to learn. And so, yeah, I think he's got to have some of that uh, responsibility fall on his shoulders for sure. He's got to be coachable, but they've also got to give him the coaches that are going to challenge him in the right way. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is that guy. Um, well, I don't either. And, but what I don't know, is that a Cliff Kingsbury issue or is that a Kyler Murray issue? Like, could anybody come in and handle him? That's what I, I think don't somebody know. could. I, I think at somebody some could. Point and he has to be that guy. Like it has to sure. come from him and it doesn't sure. matter who's telling him what to do. If he's not listening, then what difference sure. does it make? And, and Arizona is going to try, right? They're go- They're going to have to, like they're bound to Kyler Murray. Now they have to come in and find somebody. And I don't know who that is. I do. Does Kyler Murray, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would respond well to a hard-nosed, my way or the highway kind of a coach, which Cliff Kingsbury doesn't seem like he's that kind of a coach anyway. But Kyler Murray doesn't seem like he's going to respond well to that. So I, I don't know what you can do to get a guy to buy in if he's not willing to buy in himself. Every, anybody can tell. They could they could bring in Mike Tomlin, and Mike Tomlin could tell him what to do. If he doesn't listen, it doesn't matter that it's Mike Tomlin telling him or Cliff Kingsbury telling him. I, I think the issue is bigger to Kyler Murray. Cliff Kingsbury will be gone after this year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They don't have a choice. But I, I just don't know if it's solvable if Kyler Murray isn't going to do the work that he needs to do and I don't mean specifically in the film room or whatever all that is, but just to take some accountability and like not be the kind of player that calls his coach out publicly and and just looks has that look of somebody who doesn't care. And that's unfair. But body language matters, man. It matters to your teammates. You may care all the you know all the bit in the world, but if the guys around you don't believe that, then it doesn't do any good anyway. 
So I, I don't know. I don't know what they do because I don't know who they can bring in if Kyler Murray doesn't make the change internally to just buy into whoever it is to be a good teammate, to do all these things. Good teammates don't call their coaches out publicly. And I know Aaron Rodgers has done that. I'm not sure Aaron Rodgers is a good teammate. So I'm not just saying that about Kyler Murray, right? I, but Aaron Rodgers but calls Aaron his guys Rogers, out all the time. Yeah, he's all but, a but favor. Aaron, and I'm not trying to defend Aaron Rodgers because I think he's a jerk, but he also has built up years and years of equity right. to be able to at least have a right. little bit more leeway to say some of those things. Uh, Kyler Murray hasn't. And so I think what the Cardinals are um, getting ready to get into is Kingsbury is more than likely going to be out of there. You're tied to Kyler Murray enough to a point to where you almost, and I'm not even necessarily sure this is the right solution, but I think it's the only one that they can do is they almost have to go to Kyler Murray and say, who do you want? Like, who do you want? Who is going to make you the best version of yourself? And who is going to make us a winning franchise and almost put the ball in his court? I, and, you know, I don't know if that really ever works. I mean, maybe it does every once in a while when you have a, a star player able to pick his coach. Um, but more, I guess more often than not, I don't think it does, but I don't really know. I think the Cardinals' hands are kind of tied with the contract they gave him. You almost have to get his buy-in on who the next coach is going to be. God, that I, – I don't know. Like, do you – you need the person that's going to get the best of him, and I don't think he knows who that's going to be. I don't know how much I'd want it. I, I almost always want your key players' input into a coaching hire. Almost always. I don't know that I would want his input here. I, I, he needs to respond to something. And I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to imagine a coach that Kyler Murray would gel with. And, you know, he had a great college career, right? Lincoln Riley. Cliff Kingsbury seems a whole lot like Lincoln Riley. Like, they remind me of each other, right? Really cool dude, uh, you know, hip, brilliant offensive minds, all those kinds of things, and that didn't work. And that's who he had success with at Oklahoma. So what what would he want? I don't think he's going to – I don't think Kyler Murray is going to recommend they hire somebody that's going to come in and kick his tail, right? Like, I so I, I don't know that I would want his opinion on it, but it's it's a damned if you do and damned if you don't situation for that so, front office so knowing what we know now and knowing the drama recently with kyler and patrick peterson and all of that but then also knowing what we know about the denver broncos and their situation who's got the worst contract russell wilson or kyler murray at this point right now uh who would you Took rather be stuck with I was, the I was cardinals or the broncos because mm. i think that from a from a play on the field perspective I mean, Wilson's been really, really bad, and the Broncos have so much money tied up in him. <laughs> They're but, very similar. I, mean, I, I don't know. Similar. I, I mean, I guess the I, only I would rather have. Kyler I, has I would. Is, I guess I'd rather age, have Kyler Murray because yeah. we're starting to see reports that Russell Wilson's teammates like aren't aren't in with him. Yeah, and and so if if that's happening both places, which it might be, I guess I'd take the younger guy that still has a little bit more physically left in the tank than Russell Wilson does at this point. So I, I would just defer to that. I guess if I had to be stuck with one of them, I suppose I would just take the younger guy who's a little more physically capable. Um, 
but let's be fair to Russell Wilson. I I don't know that. Do we have to the be? reasons that people I don't want to be? I know because it's so easy to pile on right now. The reasons that people aren't buying into him. There's one thing about like people questioning his work ethic and everything. I don't think anybody's ever questioned Russell Wilson's work ethic. He just they're both being accused of being selfish players for sure that they're that are all about themselves. But Russell Wilson's comes from a place of dude, you're just too cheesy for me. Like we're grown adults, you don't need to act that way. Kyler Murray seems to come more from a I just feel like he's not trying his hardest. I don't know that I could ever say Russell Wilson hasn't tried his hardest. So, but the man, it, it does feel the same. And I'm glad you asked that question because it was the question I wanted to ask. Like, wh- which which situation would you rather be in? I, I still think it's Kyler Murray because Wilson's old and he's getting, he's, I think his contract's even, whatever it is, it, it's hard. They're both hard to get out of, but at least if you're going to be stuck with one of them, you'd want the young guy who can physically get you something and you just keep trying to, strike that match to fire him up and get the best of him that you can possibly get. Yeah. And I think that there are probably regardless of the drama. Um, I think that there's probably some trade candidates out there, like some teams that, you know, if, if it doesn't work with the Cardinals that would maybe want to take a gamble on somebody like Kyler Murray and the upside, Not with that new contract. Pro- I mean, I'm, what I'm saying is in comparison relative to Russell. Oh Wilson, yeah. Maybe there's, yeah. there's more of a market there. Russell Wilson is washed. Uh, and, and so that, that money is dead. Uh, it, it's not going anywhere. You can't move it. Um, nobody's going to take it on. I don't think anybody's really going to want to take on Kyler Murray's contract either, but at least, there's more of a potential upside there than there is with Russell Wilson. So I think it's still, I think the worst contract is still Wilson and the Broncos. Uh, but yeah, things are certainly not going well right now in Arizona. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's it's very very interesting and really sucks if you're a Cardinals fan, quite frankly, because it's deflating, man. It's deflating to look at it from the outside, much less if you're somebody who follows and is passionate about that team. Not sure how many diehard Cardinals fans there are out there, even in Phoenix, but, you know, we'll see. NFL never disappoints with these types of storylines. 869-1240, man, oh, man. So we're getting some more of the details on this CFP format that will start a little earlier in 2024. Um, As we've always said should happen, You'll have the major bowl games become playoff games, Tommy, which makes all the sense in the world. Silly that it took that long to figure that piece of this out. Um, But so according to CBS Sports this morning, it will be the six highest ranked conference champions as automatic qualifiers. So what I don't know, and and the other six will be uh, the other – the four highest ranked conference champions would go one through four and then five through uh, five through eight would host the first round and you'll have um, the ne- the next six highest ranked teams being the other six. But what I don't understand, Tommy, six highest ranked conference champions. So are we guaranteeing that one of the non power five league winners gets in? Because that's an interesting piece of this. I didn't know about, or, or maybe I'm misunderstanding that, but it, six highest-ranked conference champions. That would have to mean, right, that it's Power 5 champions and another conference champion, right? I think that, yeah, I think that's the way that it, it kind of reads to me, too. I mean, you're talking about, what, like the American at that point? Which would be which um, would be really interesting. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm, I'm, on board, I'm on board with that. I mean, you know, the, the American conference has long 
um, you know, grown their football product. I mean, look at what Cincinnati did a year ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. It, it would you'd have to pick and it'd just be the highest ranked one. Right. So you'd have the American Conference winner and the Mountain West Conference winner and whoever it was. And then you would just take the best of those teams, I guess, in the rankings, which, you know, th- th- that would put Tulane in. You know, it would put Tulane in this year. Um, Tulane has a quality enough win that they could, I, I would be, because Tulane in that scenario would play, so let's say Tulane gets in and that makes them replace Washington if we're looking at it this year, and that means Tulane plays at Ohio State in the first round, Utah plays at Alabama, Kansas State plays at Tennessee, and Clemson plays at Penn State. That'd be, I mean, you know, other than if you think Tulane's going to get housed by Ohio State, that's a that's a pretty appetizing group of games there. And then you'd have the other four teams with a bye and then the opportunity uh, after that first week in the quarterfinals, um, you go into the situation where you get the bowl games as the playoff game. So it's really just, you know, five through eight. That's another interesting piece to this, Tommy, is, you know, if you get a bye, you miss the opportunity for a home game. And I think that's sort of what Tim Fitzgerald was talking about. Maybe it's not as maybe it's better to be five than four, right? In that scenario, because you can get a home game and you get the consistency. But th- they'll work that kind of stuff out. Again, I do ultimately think, and I don't know how long it will take, but I do ultimately think if they go to twelve, Tommy, they're gonna go to sixteen, and then you just add the extra home game in instead of the buy, basically. Uh, which I know you don't like because you don't like twelve, but I think. It's either 8 or 16. 12 is the middle ground. They'll play it out, and we'll see. We may love 12. I don't think we will as much as we would like 16 or just not having the buy because you get the home game aspect to this. But I'm just so happy that college football gets what every other sport gets, and that's a better ability to determine a true champion. That's always bothered me about college football. It's always held me back from fully diving into every conference's games all the time. I know that when we're playing for rights to a playoff, because the old argument had always been, right, it waters down the regular season, but I never understood that. I think it adds more to the regular season because now your team might be playing for a spot in the playoffs later in the year, whereas before, man, if you lost week one for a lot of schools, you're toast. Your season's done. You have no chance at a national championship. That's crazy to me. It's not quite that bad anymore, but it's still pretty close to it with just the four teams. I know that I'm going to be old man yelling at clouds here. Um, I, I, I'm. It's not going to happen. The announcement came down officially today. Um, they, they're doing twelve. Yeah, uh, I wish they would have done. I wish they would have done eight. Uh, I feel like you could have. You could have done a one. The one seed and the eight seed, the two and the seven, so on and so forth, and go from eight teams to four teams to two teams to one team. Uh, You would have been able to get the conference champions in. It would have highlighted the conference championship games. You would have had a couple of opportunities for at-large teams to get in. And then you would have had expansion. You would have kept it limited to, you know, still the cream of the crop teams. Um, That would have been the way that I would have wanted to to see it happen. But it's not going to happen that way. Uh, They're going 12. You're probably right. They're going to probably go to 16. Then they're probably going to go to 32. And then... I don't think and, that and they knows? will go to 32. I think that it'll stop at 16. Um, I Again, there are other levels of college football that do 
32 or I or it may be 24 with some buys. I can't remember now how FCS and Division II do it. It's been a long time since I've covered those. But they do it regionally, and they do it by rankings that way. It can be done. I don't think we'll get to that point here. I think 16 is going to end up being the number. And the one thing I will give you on 8 is it makes more sense to go from 8 to 16 than 12 to 16 uh, because I think that's ultimately what's going to happen is they're going to get to 16. So I will give you that. 8 to 16 does make more sense. And I, by the way, would have been totally fine with 8. I've said 8 from the beginning. You have to give us at least 8. Well, you have to give us at least six because you have to put the five conference representatives in there. And then it basically becomes a how many at-larges do you want. So anything after six was going to appease me as long as every conference was represented in this playoff. So six would have been fine. Eight would have been fine. Twelve is fine. Sixteen's going to be fine. I'm fine with any of it as long as all five conferences, power conferences anyway, are represented in there. I happen to like the opportunity for teams that might stumble early to get in again because I do want to know who the best team is, not who, you know, I, I just want to know who the best team is, right? If you lost a game or two early and you're the best team, I want to know that. I want to see that played out on the field. I really, yeah, I mean, I look, I get it, and uh, it, it's, it is what it is. You know, 12 is going to happen. I'll get on board with 12. Uh, there's going to be growing pains. It's going to, you know, there's going to be things that are going to happen. And and again, I want to, I want to say what I said at the very beginning. I am a proponent for expansion. I think expansion is a good thing. I think, you know, anybody that would sit there and say it, it needed to stay at four, you're missing the point entirely. So I'm good right. with expansion. I thought eight checked all the boxes. I think 12 uh, waters it down a little bit. I think 16 would water it down some more. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, ultimately it is what it is, and, and I'll watch those games at 12 or 16 or whatever it ends up being long-term. All right. We'll see. 869-1240. We'll have opportunities to talk about this again tomorrow. Uh, we'll come back. We'll wrap up Sports Daily on this Thursday edition. Don't go away. Menards carries the right tools for your projects in stock and ready to go. Known for innovative designs and affordable prices, Works provides power and ease to get the job done right.